one of one of the finest teachers of the word in the, in the world. His name is David Pawson, and he's done a series called New, Te New Testament Baptisms, and I listened to a bit of that as well. But the main the main thing that I'm going to be the stuff that I'm doing is just going through the scriptures and letting the scriptures tell you what the Lord has said about the subject. We're looking at the Hebrews 6, 1-6. to It says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Can we move to the next one, please, Jan? <clears throat> Let us go on to perfection, not laying again, and look at this closely, the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. So that's two doctrines which we covered previously. And the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Now on September 20, I'm going to bring a teaching on the, re the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. So how about that? That'll be interesting. But let's recap. Recapping on the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. And, we, and if you remember, I mentioned that the Bible teaches that to receive God's forgiveness for our sins, we must first repent. That is, turn 160 degrees from the life we were leading and going the other way. And if we don't do that, you're not going to experience salvation through Christ. Without repentance, there is no salvation. You know, God, and when we do come to the Lord, this is the most marvellous thing. These are the promises he gives us. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. He just rescues us from, the, from heading towards hell. He takes us into his kingdom. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, it says in 2 Corinthians... Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So there is a requirement that if we're going to experience God, we, not, we really must come under full repentance. The first John 1, 5 to 10, there's a passage there where it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what is one of the major keys of repentance? It's confession of sin. Jan and I went to a one-day seminar recently in Walkworth with Peter Toth and his wife. Peter's based in Queensland. He's a Christian counsellor um, who is incredibly experienced. It costs $600 a day just to sit with him. But at the end of that day, you come out, if you're depressed or, or you suffer from depression, if you've, if you've been to many ministries and you've never been healed, then at the end of that day, you're pretty well on the way to 99% recovery because he's very, very experienced. And one of the things that he points out in his, in his manual called God Wants to Heal, So Why Doesn't He?, is that there is often a sin blockage in our lives that we haven't really identified or dealt with and that's why we can have continual problems. He refers to James 5 where it says, Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. 
The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. But here's the key. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for for one another so that you may be healed. Now I know some churches that not really much into healing but they feel that they've got to follow the scripture so someone who's, who's sick, they will call them in and the elders will pray for them. But they, don't, they only half believe that something will happen and invariably nothing happens. And the reason is, is that they've missed the key point of the scripture. The scripture says, therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another and then when the elders pray for you, you will be healed. The scripture is quite clear, isn't it? It says what it says what it says. So that's what repentance is. And repentance is not just being a, being, a, being, being a bikey one day and turning to God the next and life is all fine. No. Repentance is a continual, daily, or weekly, or monthly, asking the Lord, is there anything in me that you don't like that needs to be dealt with? And dealing with it. And we deal with it by confessing it one to another. Did you realise that? One of the best places to do that is in the marriage, is in the husband and wife. How many husbands are prepared to confess their sins to their wives? And how many wives are prepared to confess their sins to their husbands? Perfect place to do it is every week. Say, honey, you really annoyed me over this and, and I'm really angry with you. I want to ask your forgiveness for being angry with you. And that, pers- that person can say, well, hey, yeah, you were a real pain in the neck. And I was really angry with you. Will you forgive me? And you confess your sins one to another and start the honeymoon again. It's a real key, guys. So that was last time. Now we're going to hit the doctrine of baptisms. And we're going to go through a roller coaster ride of scriptures. The reason why I find it much easier to talk, let the scriptures say what I understand is that. The Holy Spirit knows what he's saying. I'm learning over the years, but the Holy Spirit knows exactly the, the, the things that we need to know. And so, so if you ever can do this, is, is get, the, get the book of Acts, and every six months, go into your room, go out to the field, ride a cow, read it from beginning to end. Just read Acts from beginning to end. You will be absolutely blessed by seeing the power of God fall on those the people in Acts and you'll see why it happened and it will just lift your faith. So we're going to go through a roller coaster ride through through Acts right now, just discovering what the Lord said with regard to baptism, immersion in water, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because the two ride together much more closely than I realise. Matthew three, five to six. Then Jerusalem. Are we okay? I can't see. Matthew 3, 5 to 6. Then Jerusalem, all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him, that was John the Baptist, and were baptised by him in Jordan, confessing there were sins. You know, there are four four or five baptisms mentioned in in, in in the Bible. There's John's baptism, baptism of repentance from sin. There was baptism immersion in water, which Jesus was baptised. And Jesus then went out baptizing. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's the baptism of suffering. 
Can we handle this, the suffering like Christ handled suffering? There's the baptism of fire. But doctrinally, there are two primary baptisms. Baptism of the Holy Spirit and baptism in water. There is a scripture that says there is only one baptism. But the understanding of that scripture is, is saying we are, are, are baptised only into Christ. We're not baptised into the church. We're not baptised into something else. There is only one baptism and that's the baptism into Christ. It's not a differentiation between, as I said, there's five baptisms mentioned in the Bible. Matthew 3.11, John said, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptise you with water unto repentance. Invite a people in those days before Christ was known to repent for their sins. He went before Christ. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to, to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Then in Matthew 3.13, Jesus comes along and John tries to stop him. Hey, now I can't baptise you. You need to baptise me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfil all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he had been baptised, Jesus came up immediately from the water and the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of it descending like a dove. So why did Jesus get baptised? He didn't have to repent for any sins. Gosh, he'd got from a baby through to 30 years of age without sinning. Can you imagine that? Woo! But he said, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfil all righteousness. John three twenty two. Jesus, he remained with them and baptised. So Jesus then began to baptise people. And they went to a certain place because there was much water there. That's a very important point to think about. We'll come back to that. Why did they baptise in a place where there was much water? In Mark 16, Jesus said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptised will be saved. See that connection together? He who believes and is baptised will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. So Jesus baptised. And after the resurrection, Jesus commanded his disciples to go go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptised will be saved. So Jesus commanded us to be baptised. So what happened after Pentecost? The first converts after Pentecost. In Acts 2... They came together, and when uh, we know assuredly that Christ, sorry, Peter came out after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit had fallen on them, and he was just 
absolutely blown away with the power that was coming down through him and he started to preach to the crowd. And he said, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, when they realised that Jesus Christ was who he was, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the disciples, What shall we do? And Acts 2, Peter then said to them, Repent, turn away from your sin, and let every one of you be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. There it is again. How do you get to know Jesus Christ? How do you have him come into your life? You repent from your sin and you get baptised. And then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then those that were gladly received this word were baptised and about 3,000 souls were added today. Then we start moving through Acts. So Philip zaps on down to uh, Samaria and he starts preaching and teaching then. And then it says both men and women were baptised. So the pattern through the Bible, after Christ, the Holy Spirit fell And then the disciples went out and wherever they went, they preached the gospel and as people were converted, they baptised them and watered straight away. The next thing, Philip's uh, going for a jog down the road and he comes across the eunuch pouring, zapping along in his chariot. And he starts sharing to him about Jesus. And the eunuch said, say, say, Here is water. What hinders me from being baptised? When we come to know Christ, it's automatic that we consider being baptised in water. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. Now, through some of these scriptures, you're going to see the conditions that are required before baptism. I'm not going to say them in advance. You can just pick them up. So if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch went down into the water and he baptised him. We're up to number 22, Acts 9, 17 and 18. Saul is going along the road to Ananias. The Lord suddenly touches him, reveals himself to him and says, go go into the city and meet this dude called Ananias. And Ananias prayed for him and he immediately received his sight and at once he arose and was baptised. So Paul had was, got his eyesight back, he was filled with the Holy Spirit of God and immediately he went and was baptised. In fact, Paul, when he's recounting the story later on, when he's giving his testimony, he said that Ananias prays for me and said, Arise and be baptised and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So in the act of baptism, you are washing away your sins. In Acts 10, Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all all those who heard. Now this was the household of Cornelius. Remember Peter was called to the the Gentiles. So the baptism and the teaching about about Christ, about baptism and about the Holy Spirit, then moved to the Gentiles. And he, he, he he came into the house there And the Holy Spirit fell on them while he was preaching to them. 
for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter said to them, Can anyone forbid water that there should not be baptised who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptised in the name of the Lord. So that's when baptism, that's when the salvation, baptism and the Holy Spirit moved to the Gentiles. Later on in Acts, we're up to Acts 16, number 28. And 20, and there is Lydia. Paul meets her down on the riverside. She wants... (coughs) She gives a heart to the Lord, and she and her household were baptised. Then Paul's thrown in jail, and there's a big earthquake, and uh, it shakes. And they, they could just walk out there, and so the poor old jailer is, is, is shaking in his boots. But they don't go. They care for that jailer. And he was so touched by the fact that they didn't run away, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately he and all his family were baptised. So then Paul goes down to Ephesus and they, they, meet, they start preaching and they said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we've not so much as heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And she said to them, into what then were you baptised? And they said, into John's baptism. So there were whole groups of people at that time that had been baptised by John but never knew that there was another baptism that came through when you, when you come to know Jesus Christ. In Acts 19, Paul said, John indeed baptised with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Baptizo. What does that word mean? It's putting a solid into liquid. It actually means full immersion. If you, if you study the Greek, if you go into it, the word is baptizo. It means full immersion. There is no other meaning for it. David Pawson, who I have met and uh, ministered alongside of him, or ministered to him really, and uh, Bill Sabritsky, when I was just brought in to uh, help Bill's ministry, I used to go for walks around uh, Woolambar or somewhere, some odd place in, in, in Aussie, uh, walking and talk, talking with David. Well, and listening to one of his tapes, he pointed out that when he was a chaplain to the Air Force in Arabia, he said when, when, Mus- when some Muslims came to Christ, nothing much happened to them. But the moment they got baptised, they were murdered. There is something powerful about baptism. Do you know that in New Guinea? Um, I have read that as missionaries began to infiltrate into the villages and led people to the Lord... That was all very well, nothing much happened. But when they taught them about baptism in water and they got baptised in water, all of a sudden they didn't want to fight. And they got really, the rest of the tribe would get really angry with any of their fellow tribesmen who became Christians and then got baptised. Something happens in the heavenlies when we get baptised. 
infant baptism, and I don't know if anyone's been had, had that, is a practice of the church which only came in, in the second century. It's not New Testament. We've actually just been through all the scriptures on baptism. Did you see anything about sprinkling as a child? No, you didn't because it's not there. It, it's a practice of the church. And you have to make a decision. Do you follow the traditions of the church or do you follow what scripture says? And there is some debate about that. But in scripture, there is no such thing as infant baptism. Because in baptism, God washes away our sins. And I don't think a baby's even... Has, has, you know, is in that category of sins. Galatians 3... For as many of you were baptised into Christ, have put on Christ. To be baptised, man is required to hear the gospel, believe Jesus, repent of our sins, call on the name of Jesus. If you go through back all those scriptures, you will find those keys there. Why get baptised? Why should we get baptised in water? Some people say, well, it's a public testimony of our faith. Well, nowhere in Scripture does it say that. No, it's, it's not a show. What it is is obedience to Christ's command. Now, when people do get baptised, and there are non-believers there, it is then a testimony. But you don't get baptised to give a testimony. You get baptised because Jesus said to do it. That's the only reason. It's obedience. Matthew 28, we're up to number 37. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, this is what Jesus said, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded to you. There were three key things that Jesus commanded his disciples to go and do. Make disciples of all the nations, one. Two, baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And three, teach them to observe all the things I have commanded to you. Those are the three things. So it's a commandment. And what happens when we get baptised? It's an act of submission to Jesus. If the Lord runs your life and he said do it, well then if, if we want the Lord to run our lives, then we do what he says. If the Lord said don't ever do up your left shoelace but always do up your right and you want to follow him, well then you don't do up your left shoelace. Now whatever Jesus says to do, do it. Because he's the king. He's the Lord. He created us. So it's an act of submission because Jesus said be baptised. You know, it's an act of separation. You cut the link between yourself and your old life. Romans 6 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptised into Christ Jesus, were baptised into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. 
So when we get baptised in water, something happens to that water. There's no magic in the water. It's just come out of the rural white tap or the Dargaville tap. But the moment you go down into that water, God does something. It's spiritual. It's like taking communion. You know, it's only some bread and it's only some wine. But if you believe in all your heart, that bread represents the body of Christ. That wine represents his blood. And I've taken communion and prayed for people and they've been healed instantly. Why? Because of what Christ did on the cross. And when we get baptised in water, something happens to us. (laughs) My daughter, eldest daughter, Amanda, came to live with me. I was a solo dad for a few years. And we were down in Taupo. And she really wanted to follow the Lord. So she wanted to be baptised. And so she got baptised in Lake Taupo. Does anyone know how cold Lake Taupo is? <laughs> now I'm not 100% sure, but when she came out of the water, she was speaking in tongues. And I don't know whether that was just a teeth chattering or what, but it sounded like a language to me. It was quite a, quite a remarkable thing. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism and death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. And it's also an act of salvation. Three things. It's an act of submission, an act of separation, and it's an act of salvation. This could be a bit controversial. The Bible says, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, that you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Look at Mark 16. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptised will be saved. 1 Corinthians 6.10, but if you were washed, but you were sanctified, that you were justified in the name of the Lord. Ephesians 5, oh I love this one. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave herself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, that's the church with the washing of water by the blood, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkles or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. And he's not talking about your wife not having wrinkles, he's talking about the church not having wrinkles in itself by the washing of the blood. Salvation is, um, baptism is an act of salvation. Now, you're not saved just because you got baptised. Or put it, this, put, it, put it another way. You don't have to be baptised in water to be saved. That would be a heresy. Easy explain? The thief on the cross. He gave his heart to the Lord and he went straight to the Lord. He didn't get baptised, did he? But in the sense that salvation is a process. We come to the Lord. We repent of our sin. We believe in him, we get baptised, we move on. It is a process. It's a process. It is an act of of salvation or within salvation. It's a very important thing. We're up to 44. 1 Peter 3.21. There is also an antitype which now saves us. There it is in scripture. There is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh but the answer of a good conscience towards God. So when we get baptised, we are obeying God 
and that's part of our salvation progress. The only quote that I pulled out of uh, Bill Zabritsky's book on victory, where he, he, uh, he says, uh, in relation to Jesus being baptised by John the Baptist, just as he, Jesus, was obedient in fulfilling his Father's will and evidencing his desire to fulfil that will by undergoing the waters of baptism, so indeed we should be prepared to undergo the waters of baptism. And after our conversion, in order to indicate that we too are following in the steps of Jesus Christ. So why do we get baptised? Why do preachers say, repent from your sin, turn to to the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptised? It's because we are following exactly what Jesus did. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, if you've made a step for him and you haven't been baptised in water, can I encourage you to do it? Just do it. Because Jesus asks us to do it. And it will dramatically change your life. It will dramatically change your life if you have gone to baptism in true repentance. If you do it just for the sake of it, nothing will happen. I remember that I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 12 as a teenager at Hillsborough Baptist. I got baptised with everyone else that did at the time. I don't actually remember it, but I know I did. But you see, I didn't have a true repentant heart because I then went out into the world of sex and drugs and rock and roll. I, I came back, didn't come back to the Lord till I was 30. When I came back to the, the Lord and I was down in Taupo and I was following the Lord and seeking the Lord, repenting, from, finding out from the Lord the areas of my life that he wanted to deal with, I wanted to get baptised. And I got baptised again. You don't have to get baptised again, but to me, I did. It was a step of faith. <clears throat> so baptism is very important. The next Sunday, John at the, is, is, has asked to be baptised in water. He's come all the way from Perth. Over the... Over the I mean, he could have got baptised in the warm waters of the ocean over there, but except for the white sharks, of course. And, and we've got, we're going to have the privilege of baptising John. If there is anyone here that has given their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and would like to get baptised, here's an invitation. Come and join us at 2 o'clock at the Dargaville Baptist Church, I think it is. Eth has sort of organised it, roped us into it somehow or other. But we would be delighted, Des would be delighted to, to be with us and baptise you if you want to obey the Lord and be baptised. I'd like you to let, uh, let Dears know if that's what you'd like to do. Another doctrine of baptisms is known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I spent a whole session on that, teaching on that, but I'm going to just summarise very quickly. We're up to number 46. So Jesus said to them again in John 20, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So speaking to the disciples, 
He said, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. So that's when they received the Holy Spirit. Nothing to do with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When we come to Jesus Christ and we're born again, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells with us. But most of us as young Christians don't have any power. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about. So despite the fact that the ten disciples had already received the Holy Spirit, these words then appear in Luke's Gospel. Behold, this is Jesus, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry, wait, in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. And then when the day of Pentecost came, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, if you remember, as we went through those scriptures, many people were actually baptised in the Holy Spirit before they got baptised in water. Some people got baptised in water, then got baptised in the Holy Spirit. So there's no sequence. The only sequence that, you, that, that, that there must be is that you can't be, you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit unless you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal saviour and you've been born again and repented from sin. And you certainly shouldn't be baptised in water unless you know Jesus Christ as your saviour and you've been born again. The next doctrine that runs together with that is the laying on of hands. Now, I could never understand why is the laying on of hands a fundamental doctrine? I mean, it's kind of not a big deal. It's we lay hands on people and pray for them. How can you make a doctrine out of that? But it is included in the list of the fundamental doctrines that we should understand. And just a brief summary, which should be up on the screen behind me. I'll just expand on it a little bit. In the New Testament... <coughs> we've seen the following, that Jesus Christ laid hands on the sick, both to bless them and to heal them. All believers have been commissioned to lay hands on the sick so that they may recover. We have the apostolic, 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 get it right, pattern of the apostles laying hands on, on the sick for their recovery. There is a clear precedent in scripture for the laying on of hands to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's also the invitation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. Remember Paul saying to Peter, the elders laid hands on you, stirred up, stirred up, stirred up the gift that's, that's inside you, which came to you from the laying on of hands. At one point in time, the elders laid hands on Timothy and he was gifts of the Holy Spirit came, came upon him. There is a setting aside for service by the laying on of hands. For example, the apostles laid hands on the seven deacons. Thus we can establish from the New Testament three of the reasons for the laying on of hands, which is up there behind us. And that's all I could find in the scripture on that. But it's got to be important. So in, in, in summary, the Lord calls us because he loves us. And he, the Lord desires to forgive us from our sins. It's our sin that ruins our lives. 
It's our sin that means that we're going to end in darkness one day. And Jesus says, come to me and I will forgive you of your sin. And when he forgives us of our sin, he says, now I want you to turn around and just leave that life behind and follow me. And he says, be baptized in water as a sign that you are following me. You're joining me in the in death and resurrection and I'm going to give you a new life. And also, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the comforter, he said. Jesus went back to heaven. And then all the apostles met in one room and kapow. Boy, that must have been one, one heck of a prayer meeting. And the Holy Spirit fell and people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I've seen many, 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 hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of people filled with the Holy Spirit who were born again Christians but had never experienced that power of the Holy Spirit. And after, the Holy, after you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can't stop talking about Jesus. All of a sudden, it just keeps coming out, it keeps coming out because it's supernatural power. And if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are just missing out on, on a whole, whole world of exciting, incredible things. If you haven't been baptized in water, one thing that happens is when you're baptized in water, something happens up in the heavenlies. Don't know what it is, but the demons hate it. The demons cannot stand people getting baptized in water. It really affects things. So my call of action to you today is if you haven't been baptized in water and you're a Christian, do it. Let Dears know that you'd like to be baptised and you can come and join us next Sunday afternoon and we can have a real Duncan, Duncan party. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit for power so that you find it really easy to witness, you don't have to struggle anymore. That power just comes upon you through the open your mouth and you can begin to witness. Because when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they went out and witnessed to the people all around them and then in Samaria and then in the rest of the world. And if you would like that experience, I want you to also come to Dears and I, uh, to Alex, uh, to Jan, Ether, to the elders in the church and just say, hey, I want to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. So I leave that to you as a challenge. Thank you, Des.